When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A Radio Info Raw Edit podcast. The conversations behind our reports. Peter Saxon talks to Craig Bruce. Just on five years ago, you left Osterio. So tell us about the day you packed up the personal items in your office, the awards, the mementos, the picture of your family, <laughs> all shoved in that cardboard box as you were going through. Um, and they yeah, asked actually, for your parking key back. Yeah, it was actually nothing like that. I was in Perth. Yeah. And uh, I was on a... So it happened in a Perth hotel room uh, where um, I, you know, we made a decision to to pull the pin and there was a discussion around, hey, do you want to work through until the end of the year? And I thought, well, no, when we're done, we're done. So, um, yeah, no, I just got on a plane and and, uh, went back to Adelaide and had a couple of hours on the plane to think about um, (laughs) what had just happened. But we were building up to it. I knew it was coming. And um, I think Grant had been in the role for maybe three months and I'd had just the one meeting with him. And uh, so, you know, you don't need to be Einstein to work out what's going on. And I don't hold any... um, animosity to, to Grant at all, Grant Blackley. I, he was the CEO, new CEO, he's coming in, content was underperforming. You know, we had this weird arrangement where I was head of content and Guy was head of Metro and, you know, we, whilst Guy and I were, were, were good together, we, um, you know, we shared similar skill sets and he didn't need two of us. So it was always going to happen at some point. Um, and really my only meeting with Grant uh, in that three months where we were, at the company at the same time was uh, was when he told me that he was going to hire Roe for breakfast on Today FM, and I, I, I knew then that that would be that that was it. I mean, for two reasons: one, I didn't think Roe was going to work on breakfast, and and two, I mean, I couldn't afford to have another failure uh, in Sydney on my hands. So it was um, it was obvious that, that I needed to move, and um, and so I just wanted because I'd been there for so long, I just wanted to make it as easy as I could for everyone, including myself. But it, it didn't, there was no, as I said, there was no animosity. There was nothing nefarious about me going. It was just a case of, okay, well, we're going to go in a different direction with a new CEO and I can look back on it now and, and think that was, you know, perfectly uh, uh, normal and, uh, and a smart decision on Grant's behalf. You know, you being a senior executive who had probably done that process, how would you say it out um, placing people, that's what they used to say, yep. placing people many, many times. So when it came to your time, if you like, you know, and, and, and they do all the euphemisms, gone off to pursue personal um, things. And, yep. and, and you think, who the hell does that? <laughs> Tossing a prestigious, high-paying job with no particular place to go. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, let so, me give you the red hot tip, Pete. No, no one does it. No one leaves a job like like the one I was in. I mean, that was the great. It was the dream job, and I'd been, you know, and my I had this incredible linear career from uh, at Austereo from a mid dawn announcer at Fox in 1988 to you know head of content, and each step was closer to that role from you know hosting breakfast shows to being a program director to being a network program director to um, 
being head of content. So I, um, it was the perfect job and I loved every minute of it. There were really some really tough days, don't get me wrong, and there was a lot about the job that, that was that was really challenging, but I loved it. No, it's funny, I, I spoke to uh, Brad March about this a while ago, and, you know, he said the, the key to this sort of job is that you've just got to hold on to it. You know, you've got to, um, you know, the power is in the title. Um, it sounds a bit uh, icky when you say it like that, mm. but it's true. Um, so no, I I, um, I would have stayed there if uh, if I felt as though I had the the backing. And as I said, that, that you know um, you know I totally understand the decision that was made. And and I guess that you know one of the reasons behind the podcast, uh, the I'm out now. What is that? You know, for me, what felt like at the time the worst thing that could happen to me has actually turned out to be the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, and it took me. I didn't work that out straight away. It took me 12 to 18 months um, to get to a point where I could just start to see what a future outside of being a radio executive might look like. Now, the work is similar that I'm doing, but it's a very different life that I'm living and, and a very and a much more rich and fulfilled and interesting life that, that I'm living now. Not that I didn't enjoy my previous time. Uh, because I can imagine for so many in radio now there's two things going on one there is that concern that that kind of sword of damocles that's hanging over so many of us thinking am i next or 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 you know what does the next round of cuts look like and how's that going to affect me um so that that plays on you all of the time and all of us whether you're 53 and have done radio for 25 years or you're 23 and have just started out, we all feel it. I mean, I, I talk to my peers who have been in radio mm. for a long period of time and we all think, okay, <laughs> let's just see if we can get through the next five to seven years. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, Armageddon is coming for radio, but it is changing and it's changing really quickly. So there is that. Um, and, uh, and and then obviously there's, there's the moment where it actually does happen. And, and from my experience, my own personal experience is that when I, when I left, it was a much easier process than thinking about leaving um, because, um, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to find a way to deal with the circumstances you find yourself in. And it's either, You've either got to be empowered by it, um, you know, catch your breath, think about what's happened, think about the mistakes you've made, which I tend to do a lot. You know, I, I, no one has beat themselves up more over what has happened at Today FM over the last seven years than I have. You couldn't possibly uh, put, you know, the amount of um, negativity onto that situation more than I have personally. So. You know, you get a chance to sort of reflect on all these things and think, okay, well, what would I do differently? What would I do next? And, and, and what am I interested in? If you do it right, and when I say do it right, if you take your time, don't rush into anything straight away and try and back yourself in that you're good enough and smart enough and, and have enough skills to transfer or, or transition or move it to another company, that the process is actually part of the, I think, it, it, you know, you grow through that process and I, I certainly have. You didn't have a plan B ready, though, did you? Oh, not at all. Oh, no, I'll tell you what my plan B was. My plan B, and the reason I was, I, I didn't feel any sense of trauma, there was nothing dramatic about me leaving SCA in the moment because I just thought an overall ARM would pick me up. So I had to eat a really large slice of humble pie um, after I left because I just assumed the phone would ring pretty quickly, not because I, I you know, break myself as <laughs> the world's best programmer, but I just thought, oh, well, surely there'll be something that'll come up, and nothing did. 
and I think that once again, in hindsight and thinking about it now, it's obvious that, that Paul or Duncan weren't going to hire me because, you know, I, I wouldn't have hired them. Mm. Um, and not because I don't like them, because, but hey, you've been the head of content. Why would you want to run a radio station? So there aren't many jobs um, after the job that I did. And that there was a moment I text um, Kath O'Connor. It's funny, she, she's in the news this week. And I remember texting Kath about a month out from my non-compete wrapping up. And I, it was a text. I've never met Kath, never met her, which says a lot about how poor I am at networking, which is probably a whole other discussion we could have uh, around the importance of sort of building relationships. But I've never met Kath, sent her a text saying, hey, my non-compete finishes in a month. It'd be great to catch up for a coffee. And I didn't even get a reply to that text message. <laughs> and nor should she have to. But I, so it was in that moment where I thought, oh, shit, <laughs> this probably isn't going to work out the way I thought it might. So... But again, you know, it forced me to think about, okay, what else can I do? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, um, and ultimately, that, that's been good for me. Did you think yeah. about going overseas? You've never done that. You've been at the same company for how many years? 27? Yeah, too long. I had a, an unhealthy relationship with Osterio in the end. I mean, I loved it like a family, Pete. Mm. So, and that's not healthy. I, I mean, I, you know, one of the things that I talk to young programmers about now is you have to, be, you have to bring a certain level of dispassionate um, uh, 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 attitude to the job because, you know, when the chips are down, the company is not going to love you like you might love it, and nor should it. Um, it's a business and, you know, some people might think, uh, you know, I'm releasing this Game Changers podcast off the back of SEA uh, and, you know, doing it as a kind of a, an FU to SEA. Nothing could be further from the truth. So, you know, yeah. one, I started recording these interviews months ago. So, and you didn't need to be Nostradamus that this kind of thing might happen to the industry at some point. You know, you have to, you have to deal with it in the moment and, and, and deal with it in a way that, that is, um, you know, that, that is real for you and, and get moving once you can get comfortable with it. Do you think that you define yourself by your career? No, I did. No, absolutely. And, that, and that's one of the hardest things to do. So this, the, the podcast series is really um, uh, addressing what's happening for younger people in radio because that's my audience. And, you know, I, I, I created Game Changers to talk to young people in regional markets and, and put them in front of really good radio people that could hopefully help them get better. So my audience is younger, but for older people... When I say older people in their 40s and 50s, you know, what, what might happen over the next five years with radio is just, it's just as challenging. And no, you're right, my identity was absolutely attached to my leadership roles at SCA. So I, I'm, I would be, you know, 90% introvert, 10% extrovert. And I used that extroversion when I was at work to, to do the job. But it was all ego. Um, you know, my emails got answered faster. My phone calls got returned quicker. Sure. People think you're smarter, funnier better looking you know it's intoxicating um and none of it is real uh it's all artifice and i knew it wasn't when it was happening but i needed to um i needed to be reminded of it when i left that you you, you leave having spent years and years with so many people and i i built uh, built up lots and lots of really great relationships but there were lots of work relationships not a lot of friendships uh, you know and and you quickly work that out when when you leave as well and that's okay too. You know, that's what it should be. You know, I can, you know, stay in touch with Sam Kavanagh and Adrian Bryan and uh, and and a few others. Um, so yeah, it, it. I was absolutely. I just shed my Osterio skin, as I told 
John Parker, who I'm now in business with, it's, and as he needed to do at Sony, having been there for 25 years, you, you, there's a process you have to go through to find out who you are, and it's not the guy that you know walks into a building and you know pretends to know what he's talking about when it comes to radio. Does it affect your family when you're that much involved in radio? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It affected them in two ways. You know, when I was in the job, I was away a lot. So, you know, my wife, who's amazing, was left to, um, you know, um, manage the house when I wasn't there for three or four days a week. Uh, and then it was hard when I when I did come back because, um, you know, that monkey mind that is spinning at 100 miles an hour when you're in a job like I was in takes a long time to unwind. I couldn't just get comfortable with doing not much at all. So I think that that was probably a frustration. You know, I wanted to work. I wanted to be doing things. And eventually I just had to unwind and allow myself some time to reconnect with what I really wanted to do. I think a lot of people I know in radio have, who have identified themselves. I mean, you know, Ray Hadley's a good example that everybody knows, um, where, you know, he's worked very hard, but at what cost? Um, you know, do people need a hobby, do you think? What advice would you would you give people, you know, in those positions? Well, radio was my hobby, and um, I never mm. felt like it was work, and I still don't. And, you know, in the last five years, I've, I've um, dug deep into, into podcasting and on-demand content, and I'm just as interested and as fascinated and as passionate about that as I am about radio. And, and you know, I... I get paid to listen to radio stations, but in my spare time, I listen to podcasts. And, you know, the thing that I love about podcasting is that the tiles on my phone will tell you everything you need to know about who I am as a person. You know, I'm into politics and religion and philosophy and a bunch of, you know, mm. things that are specific to who I am as a person. And so I'm, I'm really fascinated by that world. And I'm working with lots of podcasters now, which I'm really enjoying and hoping that I can kind of, you know, move more towards a, an audio um specialist rather than just the, the the radio guy which which i think i can do at some point but and, and i think um i mean it's with that whole thing of what are you passionate about you can kind of put you in a box if you're not careful as well and it's a very easy thing for people to say you know find out what you're passionate about and do that and you won't work a day in your life and all of those things that you read on instagram mm. inspiration um are tiles but the reality is that most people, you know, most people go to work and do the job and, and go home and that is it. And, you know, for those of us who have had, who have worked in areas like radio, and again, back to the podcast that I'm doing at the moment, it, it's, it, it is more, um, it, the impact is greater when you're asked to stop doing something that you've loved doing. Um, that That is, and that's what, um, unfortunately, um, lots of radio people, um, hopefully not too many, but enough will feel over the next period of time. And then you've got to kind of make a plan from there. And part of it is, you know, a, a friend of mine who I've met through this process over the last four or five years, Richard Spencer, his name is he, um, produced a bunch of um, radio shows in the UK and he's now working in HR. And he got ahead of the UK 
deregulation challenge that have been happening there for uh, uh, a few years and, and started to move towards a career outside of radio because he could see what was happening. And he wrote this amazing blog about um, I've been deregged, it's called. You can find it online. It's, it's really well written. And I've spoken to him on the podcast. One of the, the first things he said about um, getting through this is that, you know, the first thing you have to do if you're leaving radio is you have to make peace with that. And I think that for me, making peace with leaving SEA took a while, but once I got to that point, everything flowed from there. Once, once I let go of the fact that I would never work there again and that was okay, then I could start to kind of put a line through that part of my life and start planning for other things. You know, and if you're 24 or 25 and you've just lost a breakfast show, you do, you've got so much time on your hands and there's so many opportunities um, adjacent to radio. It might be radio, but there are other things you can do and there are other ways you can create content. And, and um, you know, that's what I wanted to do with this podcast was just to sort of keep everyone, uh, to keep my audience in check on, you know, what's happening now and just to have, you know, can you have one eye on the future whilst also focusing on the role that you're doing now? Yes, you can and you should. Are the stress levels lower now <laughs> than they you know, were? I'll tell you, I have received an email from a CEO saying, where's that fucking report and why isn't it on my desk in five years? Yeah. Now, I, I, I dealt with that. I, I, don't, I, I have a pretty sort of um, level. Uh, my, my emotional levels don't move much yeah. outside of a fairly consistent range, and I never had a problem with any of that. But I know the world is different when you don't have those sorts of pressures. I, I, the work I do now with shows all over the world is the work that I always love doing and yeah. you know again I can look back in the fullness of time and go I was never particularly good in that head of content role because I, I didn't want to I didn't cultivate relationships with board members I didn't really like doing the horseplay with the CEO I just I just wanted to be with teams and with shows and work as closely as I could with talent so I tried to you know as I started to think about well what do I want to do over the next 10 years it was really just as close as I could get to the creative process either working with program directors or working with shows if I could do that most of the time, then I felt like that would be where I was at my best. Um, so again, you know, you can look back now and go, well, that's, but yeah, I, you know, there's a particular type of personality you need to be to be the head of content. You know, I worked with Jeff Alice and Guy Dobson and, and Duncan and Paul, they, they're killers. You know, Duncan's mm -hmm. made decisions in the last two years that I would never have made. I mean, Duncan put Christian O'Connell into Breakfast on Gold, and I thought that was crazy. As much as I think Christian's amazing, I just didn't think it would work unbelievable foresight on his behalf and balls to do it yeah. you know paul changing whilst it seems obvious now paul making the call and and and, and going with smooth big call ballsy call really smart even jason pj on a kiss you know i i, I wasn't I mean, as much as I think they're a very, very good show, I just thought it was a risk. But, um, you know, these guys are killers and they um, they back themselves in and I probably was never that person. You know, partly there, but not, not all the way there. Yeah, maybe the C-suite wasn't for you. Not, not at all. I never felt comfortable with it. I, I just didn't... It was funny, I had conversations with Eddie McGuire sort of when... when uh, you know, things were starting to turn at SCA maybe a couple of years after the merger. And, you know, one of the first things that Eddie said to me was, you know, do you know the board and are you talking to them on a regular basis? And it hadn't even occurred to me that I would do that. And he was trying to protect me. He was going, well, you know, you've got to build these relationships, mate. What are you doing? And, um, but I didn't want to. I just wanted to, I just wanted to work with talent. So, yeah, in lots of ways, you know, I did some things really well and there are other things that, that weren't, you know, a natural fit for me that I kind of made work as best I could. 
Let's look at some of the learnings from your experience you could pass on to others in the industry. What would you say to those who are in fear of being asked to pursue personal interest, as it were? I mean, right now, millions uh, of Australians in all sorts of industries are losing their jobs. Yeah, and it's this, yeah, this is not about radio, and this is not about dumping on radio either. You know, it's not about going, hey, the industry's you know, made all of these mistakes and now we're going to pay the piper. It's just, it's just this, is a, um, a, a, this is for every single industry in the world. Um, I would, I think uh, Andrew Sidwell, who I'm talking to shortly on the podcast, um, Bag, he's, most people would know him as and people have worked in radio. Um, he talks about staying within the neighbourhood of skills that you already have. Um, so when you're thinking about, you know, potentially a life outside of radio, stick to the neighbourhood of skills you've already learned. You know, if you're thinking of being a, a, a brain surgeon, that's probably a, a, a stretch too far. So, um, you know, doing some kind of a skills audit, um, thinking about where you start your day, what you look forward to doing most, or, you know, what, what's the job you really look forward to doing out of all the things you need to do today. That's probably a good indication as to, um, you know, where you might be best fit. Uh, best suited in terms of um, future opportunities and if it's writing or if it's the producing side or if it's the performance side you know those things are um, they're an indicator um, you know as I said my day I look forward to getting into the radio station and talking to breakfast shows and talking with producers and programmers that was my thing so I kind of worked that out I mean you know the thing that I would say Pete is that um, I think a German poet said it so I'm, I'm gonna I can't remember his surname um, no feeling is final that that would be the thing that I would I would tell anyone that's listening. No feeling is final. If you lose your job, it doesn't need to be the end of anything. It just needs to be a moment that will hurt for a while, and um, and then it's up to you as to what you do next. And so that that I guess having gone through it, and I've learned about I guess the podcast is <laughs> is a um, you know I didn't have a lot of empathy. When I was in those roles, I, I, I was on the right side of the desk most of the time when I was letting people go. And, you know, I was very good at compartmentalising my feelings about those individuals that were getting their careers crushed. Uh, and I think very differently about it now. Um, but but you, you have to know that it's not the end. And um, hopefully the series will give you a sense of a bunch of different people, not just announcers, but producers and programmers that have either had the decision made for them or of making their own decisions and, and have come out the other side. And, and, you know, we live in this very myopic world in radio, but there's an amazingly uh, interesting and, and big and bold and bright world outside of radio. And um, if you pushed outside the door to go and find out what that looks like, um, you'll realise that it's probably a gift and not a, nothing to take, you know, personally. Did you say to yourself at any point since 2015 that... One day you'll look back at all this and laugh. <laughs> um, I think so. I mean, I, I there were there were times where it was maddening, and and now I, I as I said, I um, I'm glad that it happened. I would never have done it to myself. I would never have left. I needed a new CEO and someone who had a different perspective uh, perspective on me to come in and, and make that call on my behalf. And, and I'm so glad it happened. That's not to say there's a there's a Disney ending for every single person that's going to go through this process. And I'm thankful that it's mine. But yeah. <laughs> so you're uh, laughing I'm, now? <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, absolutely. I was happy then. I've I'm, I've been happy through the process. I, I mean, it had really the, the happiness element doesn't come into it. it 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 was just a case of making some decisions around what i could do next and where i could add some value thanks mate look that was very enlightening very frank and i think you're going to help a lot of people with that i really appreciate it. you're welcome anytime mate 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.